Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That's a roller skate skinny by the old 97s. Uh, I let my daughter make the song pick today, and that was her selection. I approve of it, though. Is this the band from Texas that you'll typically play, like, on the Dallas trip? Yeah, probably so. They are yeah. from Dallas, um, and a band I like quite a bit. So not probably not the first time we've heard them on the show. Yeah, uh, they're they're one of the bands that I always remember to. I tell myself like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get into them, and after you play them on the show, and then of course uh, my ADHD kicks in. All right, I wanted to discuss this with you because it's interesting for me from this perspective of most Grizzly seasons in my lifetime. I was not part of the media. I wasn't covering this team. I wasn't talking about this team from kind of a, a professional sense. In terms of anticipation for this season, where do you think this ranks at, from the, the state of the fan base? And then I'll ask you from a personal, you know, what you're interested about. Oh, I think very highly. Um, I'm trying to remember back, you know, some of the grit and grind years in terms of like, when what what seasons it's hard to remember now like what seasons was it 15 the anticipation that the, was highest was it 15 14 15 that the grizzlies opened at home against lebron like i remember people anticipating that one and lebron just absolutely curb stomped them and then it's like oh man this team's got a long way to go like i was trying i do, i don't remember I, that was the season i don't know about opening night but that was the season where i think they did get off to a great start and i remember one season, I think it was that one, uh, early on into the season, they, they hosted Golden State in a one-versus-two game. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that was that season. But I don't know if the anticipation was highest before the season or it, or it got that way because of, because of the way they started that year. That's the thing that's hard to remember about those seasons. Yeah, and they, kind of as time goes on, they kind of roll together. But, like, I know using tickets isn't, maybe the most foolproof because live viewing has changed so much. But it does seem like it does seem like the anticipation for this season is if not the top of the last, you know, ten to fifteen years, it feels like it's right there. No, I think so. I mean you're coming off uh second best record in the league, you're coming off an all NBA top ten MVP candidate. You're coming into a season that like the Grizzlies are not expected to get to the finals. But no one is heavily expected to get to the finals. There's no like overwhelming favorite really at either conference, and so like all things seem feel possible with this team. Well, I think there's, I think when you compare them to the grit and grind, which you know for whatever, whether we do it too much, too little, I don't, I don't know, because it's what people have in their mind. So I, I understand that. 
But one thing that's similar to me about this season compared to the previous seasons with John Moran and, and the new guys, despite the fact that Jaron's going to miss the start of the season, there does seem to be a familiarity of this is the team that we, you know, th- these are our guys. And so there's kind of this, like that's to me where the comparison goes with the the core forwards. Like you kind of knew what you had with this team, and now there's the anticipation of, they performed well last year. Okay, they didn't they didn't get to the mountaintop, but they were still a good team, and a good team's coming back. Is, is that fair? Yeah, I think last year, you know, last year before the season, the Grizzlies were sort of expected to be a play-in level team, more than likely. That was that was the general conventional wisdom, certainly outside of Memphis. And so it took a time. It took a little while to discover what you had. And now I think you go into this season like knowing, thinking you know what you have, and what you have is a is a team that can be you know a first round home court advantage team that also plays an extremely exciting brand of basketball with an extremely exciting player. And so you go into this season with the knowledge beforehand of what you what, what you only discovered in time you had last season. Well, I remember talking about this with you because we did our annual exercise of are we talking ourselves into the home team. And I think we both wound up talking ourselves into them being better than the play-in. I don't think we ever said, okay, this is a top-four team, but we talked, them, we talked ourselves into that. I find myself, the more I think about it, kind of falling back to, okay, let's take what I know about this team. I know that they've got an elite top-five point guard. I know that they have an elite shooter. Eventually, they're going to get an elite defender back. And on top of that, they've got a bunch of pretty good role players. Like I don't know, I just kind of find myself talking myself into this team again. Again, I don't know if they finish second in the West, but I still think when we get to April, this team's going to be in the conversation of the top four. Well, the other two, the other couple things I would say they have, and I'm talking about relative to the regular season sure. right now, not to the playoffs, they have stability in terms of both roster and organization relative to some of these other teams. There's a lot of chaos around the league, and there's none in Memphis. And they also have a team that, what we found out last season, and I wrote about this a little bit relative to Jaron Jackson Jr., I think I'll post later today. What we found out last season is that Taylor Jenkins stuff works in the regular season. Yes. And if you look at the 10-man ten, the ten rotation at Full House last season, the only player who they did not have a winning record without was Desmond Bain, and that was 3-3. Three and three. Like, they, they didn't have a losing record without a single one of those players. They, everyone knows about the 21-4 and four without John Moran. They were something like 33-15 and 15 without, without Dylan Brooks, and you go down and down and down. The idea of, like, you miss somebody, you plug somebody in, and the system keeps working, like, that happened last season. And so I feel like... Taylor Jenkins stuff works in the regular season, and it's going to keep on working in the regular season. I think the playoffs is a little bit different thing. And they acquitted themselves well in the playoffs last year. I mean, to get six to, to six games with the eventual champion, I think, was a good stuff. But I mean, I they, they t- to your point, they took the eventual champion as far as the Celtics took him in the finals. Right. My only point here is that, like, once you get to the playoffs, we'll see who's healthy and who's not, and it may be a different-looking thing. But I think for the regular season, like – Maybe it's talking yourself in, and I'm not sure still what my prediction will be. But, like, I, you know, I think the range is fairly wide, but it, but the top is the very top. Like, you know, you told me the Grizzlies were the number one seed in the West. Like, I'm not going to be shocked by that. The West is deep enough that if they're six, I'm not shocked by that either. But I think they're going to keep on being a really good regular season team. 
The only holdup that I have, like, you know, when I'm trying to argue against myself internally, to your point about the Grizzlies' records without guys, the one thing that stood out to me was, for the most part, I think, what was it, 78 games they had Jaron Jackson? Like, yep. how much of the, how much of how much are those two things related in your mind? Well, this this is what I wrote about a little teaser sort of the column. I find all of my roster preview columns is about Jaron, and one of the things I noticed so they were three and one without him, but that's four games. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. But with him last season, they were eighty third percentile on team defense when he was on the floor. Whenever he was not on the floor, they were fifty second percentile on team defense. Can they be more than an average defensive team without Jaron Jackson Jr.? Is that the one place where, in terms of regular, and we found out in the playoffs that you, you have to have John Morant for playoff basketball. Yes. But in the regular season, like, they did fine without Josh. The one thing I wonder about most is, can this team defense be more than an average defense without Jaron Jackson Jr.? And that did not really get tested last season. Now, now, two years ago they were, but two years ago the point I made was they had Kyle Anderson in the best season of his career yeah. in that spot. And Kyle was able to replicate the, def- the, you know, the kind of defensive playmaking that you got from Jaron in abundance last season. I don't think that's coming from anybody. I think Aldama certainly he could be better than Jaron offensively relative to what Jaron was last season. That's not a high bar to clear. Yeah. But, but defensively, there's nobody on that roster that's going to be able to do what Jaron did last season or what Kyle Anderson did the year before at that, at that position. What would the case be for this team being an average to slightly above average defense without Jaron? The case for them being that bad? No, well, I mean, honestly, if you gave me right now, if you told me without Jaron that they were going to be you know, the 15th best defense, I think take I'd take it. it. Yeah, I, I think Dylan Brooks is an all-NBA-level defender. He doesn't get the playmaking stats, the steals and the blocks yeah. and all that. But you have a, an elite on-ball defender to put against the other team's best scorer. And, and statistically, over multiple seasons, we've seen their better defensively with Dylan. So they'll have Dylan to start the season in a way they did not last year. I think Desmond Bain has shown to be solid defensively. I think Steven Adams, as long as you know he's not dealing with some kind of ankle thing that slows him down, like I think he was at times last season, is a decent anchor. Um, but your point, like Jaw's not a good defender. I'm not sure. I think Aldama is. He, he seems, seems to me like he plays big and he gets in the way. He plays long to me. Is right. that you know what yeah. I mean? Like no, it's, that's right. Yeah. But like you know, I mean Zaire Conchar. You're right. Like I, I, you know, the the floor for them defensively without Jaron is lower than average, and so we're going to find out. We're going to find out. I think it'll be. I mean, I, I, it seems to me that Jaron's absence is going to be measured in weeks, not months. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. But I think it is going to be weeks plural. Um, and so maybe it's three weeks or whatever, four weeks. Um, that's enough of a sample to get to get a feel for how they can do defensively without him. And if they're good defensively without him, like I'm not taking anything away from the players who will be there, but I think it will be ultimately a testament to the coaches. The Grizzlies take on the Magic tonight. Pre-game will start at 5.30. Game starts at 6. I'm operating under the assumption, fairly educatedly, Chris, that this is not going to – the Grizzlies had their final dress rehearsal, that this is going to be a, a lot of the, the young guys, a, a lot of guys that are not going to be contributors, if you will. So I'm just not even really going to focus on tonight. I want to focus on next Wednesday and kind of when they start the season. 
is the first thing that we're watching for, what does the defense look like? Is that where we start? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's hard to over, 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 overanalyze individual games. But I, I think it's that. To me, it's still a confirmation on, 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 on the rotation and the substitution patterns and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm interested in, and this relates to the defense, but I think being without Jaron complicates their, their front court combinations because Jaron could play with anybody. You put in with Steven Adams, with Brandon Clark, with Kyle Anderson. It doesn't matter. I think that's harder to do without Jaron. I think if you look at these preseason games, you look up and every once in a while you see you saw Steven Adams and Tillman playing together the other night. Yeah. And I don't know if that works, right? And you saw Jake LaRavia and Brandon Clark playing together. And I think, is that big enough? Can you really do that? So I think without Jaron, there's a, there's a lot of potential for looking at, looking at lineups in the floor and thinking, wait a minute, can you really do this? And so that's something I'll be looking for. But that's related to the defense. What do you think about that second group? Like, if you had to predict today who that, that second five would be, I mean, I think we can safely say Tyus is a part of the second five. It feels like at this point it's Brandon Clark is part of the second five. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be what they did in the second preseason game yeah. where, you know, the second unit technically is Jones, um, Conchar, Zaire, LaRavia, Clark. My thing with that is I don't think I would play all five of them at the same time. I right. think I would mix and match more because I just think Clark LaRavia is too small. And so to me, like break it up and play LaRavia with Steven Adams, play Clark with Aldama, and sort of you know stagger it a little bit more is what I would do. What was your – because I, I remember the, on the podcast with Parker Fleming, was your theory take Dez out first – because I, when you were explaining to me, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, well, yeah, Can you no, go into that, that one more time? That, that, that was what I proposed, and that is what they did in the game after that, that Tuesday game. We'll see if they continue. But my idea is you take Dez out before Dylan, and thus you bring Dez back in before Dylan. Yeah. So you basically stagger John Morant and Desmond Bain more through the middle of the game. So you always have, or most of the time, you have one of your two best scorers on the floor. I think that gives Desmond Bain more leash to hunt shots without John Moran on the floor, whereas you don't want to give Dylan Brooks the leash to hunt shots. And then you tie Dylan and Ja together more, and you can help you know, bring down Dylan's offense and cover Ja's defense. To me, that makes a lot more sense. Do you think there's going to be an emphasis this year with Ja and understanding, like, you know, he hasn't gotten through a full season. Do you think there's going to be, you know, like we see with Budenholzer, with Giannis during out the season, you know, what is it? It's usually like around 32 to 34 minutes rather than, you know, 38 or closer to 40. Do you think that there's going to be? Yeah, that, that would be my guess. I mean, I, I mean, you gave a lot of money to Tyus Jones for a reason. Yeah. And I don't think it's only for the games that John misses. I think you're hoping to minimize the games John misses. And so I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, John was around that 31, 32, which has sort of been Taylor Jenkins' I mean, Taylor Jenkins has been a 10-man rotation guy. He has sort of done done it that way in the regular season. I, I think I think Jaws' numbers, his minutes went up a little bit last year. But it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they tamped back down a little bit. Who do you think, when we get to the end of the season, presuming health, who do you think leads the team in minutes per game? Is it Ja? Is it just start with the obvious? Uh, you know, Desmond Bain wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I was wondering. Would you favor Desmond or Dylan? I I I think I would favor Des. I, I think I mean Dylan has a little bit of injury history too. Yeah. Um, 
And I think if you're going to have Desmond sort of, you know, taking the lead in some of those second units, it wouldn't surprise me if he was the leading minutes guy. I, I think he talked me into that. All right, Chris, we appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your uh, mini fall break. All right, thanks. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.